What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just stepped inside my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, it's all about my first impressions in the amazing Spider-Man 2. So let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with those thoughts. Gamers, I have to start out by saying that admittedly, Spider-Man 2 was not on my most anticipated list, or at the top, I would say, of my most anticipated list this fall. It was actually probably towards the bottom of the top five, may not have even cracked the top five. But that's not to say that I wasn't excited for the game. It was just, from what I had seen of it so far, nothing really brought me to that next level of excitement. So when it came to the release of the game, honestly, I was questioning how long I was going to be focusing on it outside of trying it out that first day or two that it first released. Well, I am here to tell you why I have not been able to move past the game and put it down since I started playing it on release day last week. So first off, I got to say, the Spider-Man franchise by Insomniac has been just an amazing one. And I, that's not really pun intended, I swear, but it really has been. I mean, between 2018 Spider-Man and then Spider-Man Miles Morales in 2020 at the launch of the PS5, and then now 2023 with Spider-Man 2, I mean, Insomniac has just proven over and over and now over again that they really, truly fully understand the character and world of Spider-Man because as much as Spider-Man shares the Marvel Universe, comics, movies, whatever the case may be, I think that those of us who are comic book fans really know that a lot of these main characters unto themselves and their own individual comics, they really have kind of their own universe. And I mean, honestly, Spider-Man does have the Spider-Verse, for God's sake. So there is a Spider-Verse, but I mean, just even when talking about the isolated New York City, when you look at that and you look at all the different characters and corporations like Oscorp and Roxxon and all these other different places, there's just a lot that goes into Spider-Man lore. And he's got a, a great rogues gallery. I mean, in my opinion, he is second only to Batman in all of comics as having the greatest rogues gallery. So when you look at that and you take the amount of just lore and history that Spider-Man has. I mean, Insomniac, I mean, the, the, the sky is the limit and they have breached that in, in my opinion, if that's even possible to say, because I loved the first Spider-Man game. I really did. But that Miles Morales game just took it to another level for me. For whatever reason, that game resonated on a different level for me. And I always have kind of maintained that I give that game the edge over the 2018 Spider-Man game. Well, when we get to Spider-Man 2, obviously going into it, we all know and expected that we were going to be able to play as both Peter and Miles throughout the course of our game. And the fact that you could actually switch pretty much when you wanted to, that was awesome to me. Because yeah, sure, I understand and accept that there are moments where the game is going to force you to play as one Spider-Man over the other. I'm fine with that. As long as it wasn't, I was really hoping it wasn't going to be, hey, you play the first half of the game as Peter and then the second half as Miles or these long stretches as one or the other without a choice. And they haven't really done that in my experience so far. I will just kind of say that I, at this point, have put about 15 hours into the game. And uh, the 15 hours I've played, believe it or not, 
According to the progress tracker on the PS5 that tracks your percentage completion of the main story specifically, I am at exactly 50% complete of that main story at 15 hours. So obviously that puts me on track to finish the game in about 30 hours. Now, obviously I've done so much more than just the main story in that 15 hours. So hopefully that means that 30, maybe to 35 potentially hours, I can have that platinum trophy because I am here to say I will be doing a platinum pursuit on this game and going after all trophies, the platinum included. It doesn't have, thank God, some things, you know, some games will have, you got to play through a new game plus, or you got to play through on hard difficulty or whatever the case may be. Thankfully, the Spider-Man games, their base games have not done that so far. I've gotten the platinum in both Spider-Man 2018 and Miles Morales Spider-Man. So I am so excited that I can continue that tradition with Spider-Man 2. So when we get to the important stuff here and why you guys are really here to listen to see what my opinions are on the actual game, let me just start by saying when I booted up the game, the first thing that I really have just taken in 100% has been the visuals. Obviously, the visuals outside of maybe the sound and the music that you hear when you boot up the main menu and the different loading screens or whatnot as the developer of Insomniac and publisher and all that stuff comes up. First thing you're going to do is, is take in those visuals. And man, it is very hard to find character models that look better than what these character models do in this game. And I mean, don't get me wrong, the 2018, even on PS4, the 2018 Spider-Man was no slouch visually. Miles Morales upped it uh, again, the up the ante with my, its game on the PS5 version and, and even the PS4 version in 2020. And man, Insomniac just keeps getting better and better. And you go, you, you got to think, it's kind of funny to me because this is a developer that honestly has only ever done kind of animals or creatures before the Spider-Man games. They didn't really do human character models. Not to say that they were never capable. It's just kind of funny to me that, you know, they started out doing Spyro and then they were doing Ratchet and Clank. And now we finally get actual realistic human character models. And man, they just, they crush it. And outside of the character models, I mean, it's not just the way they look, but also their mannerisms, their facial movements, the lip syncing, I mean, everything is is so realistic. And if you're just kind of walking through the room as somebody is playing this game, you would probably mistake it for an actual movie or TV show. I mean, it's that good. It's that fluid. And outside of that, I mean, the environmental uh, visuals are just as good, uh, if not even better than most games that you'll see out there. I mean, the quality and the attention to detail that Insomniac has put into these environments. And I'll start first with the city of New York because, I mean, that's where you're going to spend most of your time, honestly, is, is swinging around the city of New York and flying in this game because now we actually are able to use the wings uh, and have the, the web wings that Spidey has had, you know, multiple times here or there. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't in comics. But the fact is, they are finally available for us to use for the first time, I think, in video game form. And man, it just, if you've listened to my show, you knew that I was excited to use the web wings. And it is exactly what I wanted. It is everything that I was hoping that it would be as far as adding to the dynamic of traversal throughout the city. Because web swinging in and of itself, that right there was just amazing already. And then, you know, just... 
the fluidity that Insomniac has done with these games where you're you're swinging through New York and then you can click in L2, R2 to zip to a specific location that as you get to it, you can hold down and mash X to then let go as you get to it and he'll springboard off of whatever that location is and just get you higher, pick up speed, keep that velocity and momentum going. I mean, that is just a rush and I love it. Well, you add in and integrate the web wings in there and it just adds a whole new dimension of fun and just exhilaration to it, to be honest with you. And I have thoroughly, thoroughly been excited and happy with the results of the web wings. So if you are like me and we're excited to get a chance to try that out in game form, I mean, you're not going to be disappointed. I'd be highly, highly shocked if you were to tell me that, yeah, I didn't really like the web wings. But outside of that, I mean, just going through the city, the the city has just gotten even more and more detailed with every entry in the Spider-Man franchise. I mean, the city just looks gorgeous when you're looking at it. And the cool thing that I liked that Insomniac did with Spider-Man Miles Morales is that took place during the winter. So you had snow and different other just visuals in the sky. Everything kind of looked different, had a different kind of lighting to it. You know, just the, the wintertime, things are always a lot gloomier. I would say day to day, at least cloudier, at least up here in the north. And New York is not too far from where I'm at in Philly. So, I mean, it's it's very similar, I would assume. So I know what it's like to be on a cold winter day in the middle of January or even December when that game takes place towards Christmas time and to have those overcast clouds and skies and have the snow falling periodically here or there. I love that aspect visually from Miles Morales. And so we go to the complete opposite here with Spider-Man 2. It actually takes place in October, so it is the fall. But, I mean, there's just this gorgeous orangish-yellowish sun that's always kind of in the background And so far in the first half of the game, I mean, it hasn't transitioned to any other time of year. I haven't had any rain that I can think of that I've come across any kind of weather or anything like that to deal with. But I'm okay with it because just visually, I mean, if you crest over the the skyscraper or a row of skyscrapers and you have that sunlight just kind of beam over the corner of a building, I mean, it's just gorgeous. This game really sets you up for a lot of really great pictures that you can take and the game's excellent photo mode that I will get to at some point. <laughs> but, I mean, just visually, I mean, the the, the lighting, uh, speaking of that real quick, is just phenomenal. And what the sun does for the city, you know, glistening off of the windows and the different buildings and things like that, uh, coming through the trees and the different parks, uh, glistening off of the water of the Hudson River and then the different ponds and lakes and Central Park and in and around the city. I mean, there's just a lot of great stuff visually there for you to take in and just a feast for the eyes, to be honest with you. Now, when it comes to getting around and and talking about traversal, I got to tell you, the game, it controls really well. The biggest thing that I have as far as the detriment so far with the game is when you're crawling along the side of a building or trying to transfer from uh, the side of a building to the roof. Like say if you're inside of a room and you're trying to tra- you're climbing up the wall and you're trying to transfer and switch from the wall to the ceiling, that can be a little bit jerky. And sometimes for collision detection or whatever the case may be, I don't know. But a lot of times for me, Peter or Miles would not want to transfer over to the ceiling. It would just be kind of this like stuttery looking character model movement. And he would just kind of try to revert to going back down the wall instead of climbing up into the ceiling. So that that kind of got on my nerves a little bit uh, periodically. And, you know, they have gadgets and they have power moves isolated to the L1 and R1 buttons. And you hold one of those buttons 
to given whatever you want to use in the moment in combat, whether it's the gadgets or the power moves, and uh, then you press the corresponding face button, whether it's triangle, X, circle, or square. And that's all well and good, but I, I got to be honest, there's some times where I feel it gets a little cumbersome in the middle of a combo if I'm trying to implement it. But it's not nothing too detri detrimental, to be honest with you. The transference from wall to ceiling uh, is really something that has gotten on my nerves, I'm not going to lie. But other than that, I will say, I think overall collision detection is the biggest problem because there are some times where I will be swinging towards a building and uh, Peter, instead of attaching to the building, will just kind of fall. Or if I try to run up the side of the building, he'll just attach to the wall and then won't run. Uh, he won't do the zip line move where you can hold, like I mentioned earlier, you're pulling the two triggers, R2, L2, and zip up to a spot. So there's just a few things here or there with controls. I can't really say too much about the uh, combat as far as controls. I don't have an issue with the implementation of them. I just, there is a new, if I'm not mistaken, it is new to this game and it was not in the other two games. There is a parry system in the combat now to where right before you get hit, basically when your spider sense turns from white to red, you have to press and hold, hold now the L1 button, and that is a parry if you time it correctly. Otherwise, you do block the move that is being done if it is a blockable move. But other than that, you have to time it perfectly for it to be a parry. And there is a cool little parry animation, and you do some damage and whatnot. But that has been very, and maybe that's just me. Maybe it's just player, player error on my part. But I just, I found it to be very, uh, I found myself to be very unsuccessful with it. I will say that. But outside of that, combat I thought has been great. If you played the other two games, you know exactly what to expect in this game. The stealth segments return where if you prefer to try to web up everybody and do web takedowns or web strike takedowns, perch takedowns, all these different things that in my opinion are uh, can be attributed to and, and give a thanks to the Batman Arkham series because I just I can't help but think of the Batman Arkham games when I'm playing through these Spider-Man games because it is set up exactly like those Batman Arkham games. You have a map, which is a room or an exterior environment or a building or whatnot, and you have enemies, and there's specific things that you can use to distract them, and, you know, again, the different takedown methods. And it just is very much, hey, instead of Batman, you're playing as Spider-Man, which, again, I don't want to use that as a knock against the game. Uh, obviously, gaming, as is most things in life, borrows from successes of others to use in their own way. So I'm not going to hold that against Spider-Man. I'm just saying that the similarities and, and the likenesses is 100% glaringly obvious to me. And I, I can't help but think about it. So it's great combat. It's great exploration and traversal. I mean, even if you want to get, go around on foot on the ground of New York City and walk the streets, you can do that. Uh, Peter, Miles, they walk very slowly at a regular pace, but you can hold in the right trigger for the R2 button for uh, a bit brisker pace if you are, need to move a bit faster. But as you're exploring these areas, you know, another big thing for me has always been in these games, the side activities. And Insomniac does a great job, uh, again, with this game, with the side activities. I mean, there is just purpose to all of them. Every collectible you get has some kind of story, whether it's a, a voice recording or, you know, some kind of uh, just lore behind it. I mean, there's just a, everything has a purpose. And I love that in any game that has collectibles that are not just kind of, oh, collect 50 coins. Cool. All right. That was it. No, I mean, it's, hey, collect 20 Sandman memories. And each memory has a literal verbal thought of his that, you know, is uh, vocalized and that. 
you know, Peter or Miles, whoever finds it, can respond and react to. And it kind of gives a little backstory to uh, Flint Marco, Sandman, and what was going on with him leading up to the beginning of this game. So, of course, speaking of that, kind of reminds me of the set piece moments that were, you know, very popular and, and kind of what this series has been known for a lot over the last two games and those return and this game as well. And I mean, they're just awesome. I, I mean, the, the set piece moments, you can't get any better. I mean, just they're amazing. The quick timer events that pop up as you're going through those events are, are spot on. And I haven't had any real issues with those. They're always a lot of fun. I mean, it's just always a lot of spectacle and just amazing stuff going on on screen. And, and that you're not only witnessing visually as, a, as an onlooker, but then, again, you have those moments where you do get to interact. Whether it's mashing on the square button uh, because Peter or Miles is trying to pull a web that's attached to a wall or something to keep it from falling down. Or, you know, whether it's a quick time button press to where you dodge something that's coming at you, a rocket that's been shot at you or something like that. But it's been a lot of fun. And I, I will say the new areas that have been added to uh, New York. I mean, we have uh, the uh, Brooklyn Visions Academy uh, that is the school that Miles goes to. You have Midtown High, which is where Peter went to. And then you also have uh, just different areas around Queens and, and Brooklyn. And there's just a lot of really cool stuff here, a lot of good lore. And, and if you're a comic book fan, you know the comic books. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff here for you to find and enjoy. And I promise you, as a fellow comic book fan, ah, oh man, it's just kind of the, the Easter eggs in this game will get you really excited, bring a smile to your face. So in 15 hours, again, you know, 50% complete with the main story. The map will tell you what your overall completion percentage is for it as well as far as activities in the world. And I'm at 34% of the overall map. And, ah, oh man, there's there's a lot of cool things going on here story-wise. Obviously, if you played the other games, you know about the symbiote. You know that the trailers have shown Venom is in this game. I still haven't seen what's going on yet with that. So you do have to obviously play into the game a pretty decent amount before any of that specific stuff starts coming to light. And I am kind of surprised being as far as I am into the game halfway through it already. And some things that I were expecting to be kind of set up earlier in the game have not yet even begun. Or, you know, a lot of emphasis was put on Craven and the trailers and being kind of like the big bad, at least initially. And yes, he's kind of like the excuse for enemies and, and the cannon fodder that they bring. But there hasn't been a whole lot of him in this game. So I've been kind of disappointed with that. And I'm hoping that the back half of the main story, as amazing as that main story has been, let me just reiterate that. It just hasn't been exactly what I thought it was. You know, the flow of it hasn't been exactly what I thought it was going to be. Again, not a detriment, just not what I expected. And I just don't want it to go by too fast when things do start to pick up pace or, or things do start to get going with certain characters uh, like Craven or Venom. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the game has its famous suits, uh, tons and tons of suits to choose from for both Miles and Peter, and they're all just really, really cool. And you get suits for progressing in the main story, doing side activities, collectibles, all that good stuff. So that's a lot of fun. It's not exactly like the last game was where you can upgrade. Different suits give you different uh, abilities or attributes. There is none of that. It's just purely aesthetics and visuals this time. But they do have a lot of the suits have multiple variants that you can switch between once you unlock them and purchase the variants with tech parts. And that's pretty much how you upgrade your gadgets and different than your suit and things like that is with hero tokens and uh, tech parts and rare tech parts and things like that that you find again just randomly out in the world or by doing side activities or progressing in the main story. So 
the interior environments, those are also really well done. Again, there's a lot of flashback sequences in this game that I just thought have been um, uh, has just been awesome. And I, I think that if you're a Peter Parker fan, a Miles Morales fan, Spider-Man fan, you are going to love every second of it. And there's a lot of emotion that I can tell is, is packed into this story. And I feel like there's going to be some gut punches coming soon. And I, I'm ready for it. You know, not that I want it to happen, but it, I know it's inevitable. So we'll see how that goes. But overall, I can't say enough how much I've loved this game. And I, I've thoroughly enjoyed playing it. And I can't wait to continue uh, sharing with you my journey with what's left of the game. And if you have not yet purchased it, I highly recommend it, especially if you played the other ones. Even if you haven't, don't worry. You don't have to if you don't want to put that time in. There is a video recap of the previous two games that you can choose to watch at the beginning of this game before actually getting into it. And even though I had already played through and completed both of the previous games, I still watched it just to kind of refresh my memory of any specific scenes or moments that I may have forgotten. And I still thought for me it was a good refresher. So I would definitely still recommend checking it out. So that's my thoughts on my first 15 hours with Spider-Man 2. Now let's go find out how my progress fared in Assassin's Creed Mirage. Gamers, this past week I dropped another 10 hours into Bassam's journey, exploring Baghdad, and honestly most of that 10 hours I was really doing side activities. I did do a couple of main story quests and, and pushed that main story along. Uh, ironically enough though, 25 hours in, totally... I'm only about 23% complete with the game. Now, I don't think that that hour and percentage, I don't think that those are going to equally continue to equate to each other uh, for, you know, every percent is an hour. I don't think I'm going to spend 100 hours in Mirage, just to put that out there. But because I did spend so much time doing side activities in the course of my playtime this past week, that's why the percentage completion didn't really move so much. Because I think that's honestly kind of just focused on the main story aspect of things. But what I did do, I thoroughly enjoyed. I have continued to more and more love Mirage. Not that I never disliked the game. Let me just clarify that. It's just the more I played it, the more I was just, you get that fluidity, you know? The more you play a game, the more it becomes kind of muscle memory and second nature, and you're kind of one with the controller, and you kind of understand the best approach to different situations, and especially in Assassin's Creed games where a lot of times, a lot of the gameplay is really centered around you infiltrating an area and trying to stay unseen, and, you know, in this case, you have, you know, palaces or gardens or big uh, jail centers and just giant areas that you can infiltrate and there's guards everywhere. There's towers and sharpshooters that, you know, will shoot at your Eagle and Kidu is, uh, the, the one that I stuck with. You do have the option to trade out just like in the other games. More recently, you can cha change out the bird type. It doesn't have to be the Eagle. It can be a Hawk or it could be a different name. It doesn't have to be in Kidu. So, I stuck with Enkidu because just the way the story goes, I felt like it made sense. And I actually, I just, I like Enkidu. I like the character design of the bird. And either way, <laughs> you have different things that really can, can mess with your infiltration in this game. Like I said, the sharpshooters. If you don't take them out before you start trying to use Enkidu, if you're like me, to survey the area you're, you're trying to infiltrate and to tag enemies, they will shoot right at Enkidu. And then he's unavailable until you take out those sharpshooters. So... I, I like that aspect of the game. I mean, there's definitely, I feel, a different layer of challenge to this game as far as the stealth gameplay and the just the different aspects that I've just been talking about the, as opposed to what they were in these last few games. I feel like in the last few games, the identity of, of pure stealth and being unseen and remaining hidden has kind of 
you know, the series kind of got away from that, I feel like, and went more, yeah, I mean, you could do that, but if you get into a, a brawl with 20 enemies, it's all good. So I think that's one reason why, too, that the combat, uh, if you listen to my episode last episode, you'll know that I, I was saying that it wasn't really gelling with me yet. I wasn't getting it. And there was a little bit more challenge to it than just kind of button mashing. And I've kind of grown to appreciate that at this point now. I will say that I don't get into a whole lot of open combat because I, outside of just not really gelling with this combat in any game I play, if the option is there for stealth, I always go stealth first. So that's really where I've just been kind of focusing my gameplay. The game does a great job with the throwing knives. I absolutely love the throwing knives in these in this game. And just in general, implementing different things, I did finally get a new tool that I can use now. And uh, you have the option of different tools like smoke bombs or noisemakers to lure and, and attract different enemies away from your position. But I chose the blow dart because I, I just, in, in previous Assassin's Creed games that had the blow dart, I thoroughly enjoy it. I, it comes in very handy. And obviously you can alternate between whether you want it to be uh, sleeping darts or poison darts. And in this case, personally for me, I'd rather just kill the enemy <laughs> and then hide their body. To me, that makes more sense uh, as opposed to worrying about them waking up uh, later and, and whatnot. I mean, and now I will say the thing I do like about this game is when it comes to your tools, they, they make you be very selective in everything in this game. And, and it doesn't, it's no different with the tools. So each tool has three different tiers to it. And each tier, you can choose which type of function you want to use in that tier. But you can only choose one. So say there's three different functions in tier one, three in tier two, three in tier three. You can only choose three active functions at a time. So one from each tier. So I like that. So you can't have, you know, in past games, you could just alternate between sleeping darts or poison darts. And this, you have to choose one or the other uh, when you're you're choosing which, uh, you know, action you want to be active. So I, I like that. Again, there's just different ways that Ubisoft has found to add challenge to the Assassin's Creed gameplay and kind of mix it up a little bit from what we've been used to more recently. And I've really enjoyed that. I will say it seems like it's a lot harder to get away from enemies in this game than the, the more recent Assassin's Creed games. I feel like no matter what I do, I'm cutting around corners, I'm getting out of eyesight, I'm jumping in bales of hay to hide or shrubbery, and they're still finding me or still looking for me long after I'm done and gone. But it's not a detriment to the game. I still have enjoyed uh, you know, what I, you know, when I do get caught, it's not enough to where it's going to completely downplay my enjoyment of the game. So I've just enjoyed a lot of the new things that I have shown up in the game in my more recent play sessions with it. And I, I just really, the story is what got me intrigued as well, because I just, I can't wait to see how it opens up and what exactly all goes down. Cause I, I have my suspicions about some, uh, you know, some certain characters and, and things, but I will say that the, the biggest highlight probably this past week in Assassin's Creed Mirage was I took down my first major target and, you know, I feel like the, again, the series kind of got away from just the importance of a major main target throughout the course of your play. I feel like it kind of got away from uh, putting a lot of weight behind that and just the planning and preparation. And what I loved about it is there was, I had to infiltrate this area and the game gives you multiple ways to infiltrate. And there is an option to either, hey, you could pay off with a merchant token, this merchant, and you could act as his associate to kind of sneak your way in that way. Or you can pay off some different mercenaries or different people to do distractions to the guards and that kind of way you can sneak in that way. Or you don't have to pay anything if you don't have any tokens because you have to do 
certain perform certain contracts and different things throughout the city to earn these tokens to be able to use them. And there was another way that you could just kind of sneak in otherwise. You could just kind of go completely old school and not have assistance from anybody. But me, my, I thought it was just really cool. I was able to, I paid off uh, one of the merchants with a merchant token, and he allowed me to act as his assistant carrying the goods that were to be delivered to this prison or to this marketplace. I'm sorry, it wasn't a prison. That was earlier in the game. <laughs> this time it was the marketplace where the main target was that I had to get to. And he allowed me to carry this this box of goods or this this supply of goods into this area. And it was just kind of cool because you're walking behind him. He's talking to the guards. And I just, it's always a, a really cool feeling to me in a situation like that. It's, it's like that for me when I'm playing Hitman and you get to you know dress up as different characters and you just kind of walk by and you know, completely unbeknownst to the characters you're walking by or the guards you're walking by. It's like, yeah, you guys, if you guys only knew who I am. <laughs> and that was how exactly I felt in that scenario with Assassin's Creed. So the guy was really cool, got me into the, at least into the facility. And then I was able to sneak through and uh, go from like the basement area to where I needed to get to. So I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed what I played in Assassin's Creed Mirage this past week, I focused on doing a lot of the, I was trying to figure out some of the enigmas. They're kind of what treasure maps that were in the previous games where they have locations either drawn in a picture that you got to figure out where it is in the world map, or it's kind of like a poem or a, uh, a written description of where you need to try to figure out the location is that this treasure is going to be. So I was trying to do some of those. Again, they're called enigmas in this game. I was also... There was a new function called, uh, the, there's these kind of mystical crystals, if you will. And there is a specific function for them that you find out as you play a little bit into the game. And you have to pickpocket these off of certain members uh, of the order, uh, the order of the ancients. If you played the series, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. And in order to do that, it's just, it's really interesting because I love trying to figure out a strategy that they usually have guards walking with them. So you have to figure out a strategy to lure the guards away. Or at least I like to, because I don't, again, like to go into open combat. So if I can figure out a fun way to take out this guy without anybody knowing, that's what I'm looking for. I'm following their their pattern, their walking pattern, and their route, and just kind of, you know, studying them for a little bit before I just jump right in to try to take the item that I need. So I had a lot of fun with that, and there were also a few other side things that I did. I mean, just going around, and anytime I'd see a new viewpoint, obviously doing that. Uh, the historical locations that you can read the actual true history uh, about certain things that are uh, identified throughout the in different port, parts of the game. Uh, I love those historical locations and reading about the actual history of Baghdad and of this area of the world. So I've thoroughly enjoyed that and just honestly just kind of really enjoying Baghdad. I, I didn't really get too much into the wilderness uh, this past play session. I mostly did in and around the round city. And man, it's just been a, a great, great time. And Mirage has just been an awesome, awesome addition to the Assassin's Creed franchise, in my opinion. And I can't wait to get back to it after I finish Spider-Man 2. So that was what I was up to this past week gaming-wise. Now let's go see what my highlight of the week was. Gamers, this past week, as far as my highlight and what it was that stood out to me the most out of everything I did and the two games that I played and thoroughly enjoyed, let me just reiterate that. Oh my God, I loved all the time that I put into both Assassin's Creed and Spider-Man 2. But my highlight is going to come from Spider-Man 2. And it's not necessarily anything I specifically did in the game. It's honestly just enjoying the game's story. 
Uh, I mean, I, I just, gamers, I can't say enough how much I love a good story. I've said it before on the show, before I fell in love with video games and those took over my world, I was all about books and reading. And I mean, I just, I've always loved a good story. So I still love books and reading, but when it comes to video games, my strongest passion, man, when the game has an amazing story, that just makes things even that much better for me. And don't get me wrong, I've played a lot of great games with great stories. There's just something special about these Spider-Man games. I don't know how to explain it, but if you played them, you probably know what I'm talking about. The writing and the dialogue of these characters is just so natural and real and delivered so well from the actors who portray the characters in the game. And the story is just so well done. It's just very captivating. And I find it very, it's very rare for me in any game that I play to be as passionate about not doing side stuff before moving on with the main game first. And this game, it's, it's the opposite. I just, I, I struggle with focusing on not just flying through, just not, not in a rush, not to rush it, but because I'm so captivated by the story, I'm struggling with not flying through that main story because it is so good. And every time I finish a main mission, I'm just like, man, I cannot wait to see what happens next. Like, I, I want to see what happens next. And I have to kind of slow myself down to do some of the side activities and, and force myself to, all right, I'm going to focus on the spider bots right now, you know, and where I'm going to focus on trying to do some of these uh, different uh, sand crystals around the, uh, New York, whatever the case may be. But uh, man, it, it is just so good. And one of the best Spider-Man stories ever. I mean, I felt that way about Miles Morales. I felt that way about the Spider-Man 2018 game. Insomniac, just, they, like I said earlier, they know their Spider-Man. And they know it well enough to write just such amazing stories with these characters in them. So that was my highlight this past week. The amazing, pun intended, story of Spider-Man 2 captivating me. Now, let's go open up a chest of buried treasure gaming tips I have for you in Spider-Man 2. Gamers in Spider-Man 2, you're going to come across some of the side activities that I referenced earlier called Mysteriums. And for pretty much every Mysterium, there's going to be some kind of time limit on what you have to do. And each Mysterium is graded by a gold, silver, or bronze reward system or score system. So if you're like me, you're going to at least want to try to get gold on every single one. And the rewards there are worth it. You get, you know, typically double the XP or double the amount of hero tokens or different things that you need for upgrading your suit and your gadgets and your abilities. So I would highly recommend trying your best uh, as much as you can stomach it. If you can't, if you're struggling with a lot of things, I'm here to help you. And my recommendation on one that really got to me uh, at first, I could not even get to bronze level of completion on this specific one. It has a bunch of floating platforms and enemies that are on the platforms and enemies continuously spawn in and you have to take down 20 enemies in the allotted time. I don't remember what the exact time is, but you get the gist. You have to kill the enemies. You have to take out the enemies, the 20 of them within that time frame. Now, at first I was not really utilizing my gadgets and my powers to the point that I needed to be. And that is the tip that I want to share with you today is not just with that specific Mysterium with the floating, with the floating platforms, but any of the Mysteriums that you go into, I would recommend 1000% 
uh, utilize those abilities and those gadgets because as you do, most of them, honestly, affect multiple enemies at once. So instead of trying to take down one enemy at a time, you can actually take down multiple enemies in bunches. And what I would try to do is, is take the couple of seconds to try to position myself or position Spidey in a position to where he allowed enemies to kind of crowd around him. And then I would utilize certain different gadgets or powers, depending on which one I wanted to use in that moment. So I would definitely remember that. And then also at a certain point in the game, you get kind of like a, I, I equate it to God of War's rage uh, maneuver, where you build up this meter as you're parrying enemies and taking out enemies and landing hits and stuff. And when you fill it up, you can click in the two analog sticks and basically you go into this insane uh, kind of flurry of attacks. And I would keep an eye on that because when you do that, you could also take out multiple enemies pretty quickly. So I would even say try to have that built up before you go into a Mysterium so that you have it accessible as soon as you need it. Uh, or even from the outset, you could use it from the very beginning, and that way you're still building up towards potentially being able to build up to another one, another use within that specific Mysterium or round. So that's the tip I got for you is just don't forget about those gadgets and powers and really, really take advantage of using those and the Mysteriums. And I personally feel that you will have a much smoother experience and not have too much a problem taking out the required amount of enemies in the required time. So that's this week's Buried Treasure. Now let's go see what this week's Captain's Decree is. Gamers, for Captain's Decree this week, I'm going to do exactly what I've done in the past on Captain's Decree when I've done my Captain's Quarters episodes as I'm playing through or right after I've completed Spider-Man 2018 and more recently, Spider-Man Miles Morales. I was on a different podcast with Spider-Man 2018, but as far as Spider-Man Miles Morales, you can go back and listen to those episodes from a few years ago if you'd like. Uh, it's right here on the channel, most channels that have my ep uh, episodes and my show. But I got to talk about where I think Spider-Man 3 or the next game could potentially go after Spider-Man 2. And look, I have not beaten the game, obviously. I've already kind of told you guys that. I'm right there at the halfway point. So I got a good amount of stuff left to go and some story to see and really see how it all shapes up and what happens. But I just got a few theories that I want to share, and I have no, absolute no validity to any of this. This is purely just out of my head based on what I've seen so far and just what I'm assuming may or may not happen. So there's nothing I've seen or read online that I'm referencing here. If there is anything that's similar to what I'm saying, awesome. So that means that there's like-minded people out there, but I promise this isn't like spoilers or anything. I'm not going to go that route. So for me, I am thinking, obviously in Spider-Man 2, we were introduced to the symbiote and Venom. Well, obviously, if you're a comic book fan, a Spider-Man Venom fan, you know that typically with Venom, eventually there comes carnage. And a lot of things that have happened within this game, I feel like we could very well see carnage in some way, shape, or form in the future of this series. Now, whether that's in Spider-Man 3 or if there is another side game, uh, a la Miles Morales, I'm not sure. But I definitely feel like we're going to get some carnage and I feel pretty excited about that, to be honest with you. I'd be very excited to see how Insomniac, you know, takes that and goes with it. And as I've already talked about, they're amazing storytellers. So I can only imagine what kind of a story they could come up with. And I mean, Carnage is insane. 
you know, Venom is, is brutal and extremely strong and whatnot. And then you just got Carnage that's just a nut job if it's Cletus Castody. So I am very excited and theorizing that we're going to see Carnage, this version or Insomniac's version of Carnage within this game series. Now, outside of that, I also feel like we're going to end up seeing Green Goblin. I mean, Green Goblin becomes ultimately Spider-Man's arch nemesis throughout the comics and even in the movies, the original Sam Raimi ones. Like, Green Goblin is the arch nemesis of Spider-Man for a lot of reasons. So I'm very curious and thinking that we're going to see that transition happen from Norman Osborn into Green Goblin. I have my theories as to why I think he will go that route and, and stoop to that level. Uh, I'm not going to go into those theories right now for spoiler reasons, but I, I do have a, a few ideas of why he may make that turn, whether it's willing or unwillingly. Now, I also, with that being said, to my knowledge, we have not yet seen Gwen Stacy in this Spider-Man series, and I think that she will probably be making some kind of an appearance in a future game, because I feel like if you're going to have Green Goblin, then you have to implement Gwen Stacy at some point. And Obviously, comic book fans, you know that if you have Gwen Stacy and if her and Peter are an item, then that means something's got to happen with MJ and Peter, whatever that may be. I'm not sure, but I would still like to see something with Gwen Stacy, especially if they do and introduce their version of Green Goblin. So I have a lot of theories there. I, I think that they could do a lot of really cool stuff with a third Spider-Man game, like the mainline Spider-Man game. But would I, do I want them to do another kind of interim game like they did with Miles Morales? I say absolutely, because I loved Miles Morales. I've said it before, I said it this episode, I actually gave that the edge over the 2018 Spider-Man game as much as I love that. So my point being that the interim game, for at least me, has the potential to be even more enjoyable and even uh, me enjoying it even more than the actual base game or full-on game that is the mainline entry in the series. So I am all about them doing another interim game. Now, the question then would be, do I want it to be a Miles Morales 2? Do I want it to be Spider-Man 2099? Or Spider-Gwen, even? Or just any other Spider-Person? Honestly, I mean, I would be down for any of it, to be honest. I would love to see a second Miles Morales-focused game, because obviously, I just said, I love that game that much. Uh, but I also would love to see other Spider-People from across the Spider-Verse portrayed in the gaming scene because we haven't really seen a whole lot outside of back in the day. I mean, obviously we did have the Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions and Edge of Tomorrow games, which I personally loved on the 360 and the PS3. And we got a chance to play Spider-Man 2099, Spider-Man Noir. We had Ultimate Spider-Man who also had his own game, the original Ultimate Spider-Man when it was still Peter Parker, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, the comic series, that was what that game on the original Xbox era was based on. So there's a lot of possibilities here, but man, would I rather have an interim game or Spider-Man 3 first? I personally, I would love to see an interim game. So I'm hoping they get an interim game. I'm hoping that a lot of the theories that I have right now about what Spider-Man 3 could be, I hope, honestly, I hope that they come true. A lot of them, if not all of them. There's just a lot of really cool stuff they could do with this series. And I mean, look, as I talked about years ago with Miles Morales, they still, even after Spider-Man 2 and Miles Morales, two new games, they still have not gone through all of New York. There are five boroughs. We still haven't seen 
all of the boroughs that New York City has to offer. So there's a lot left to explore, a lot that Insomniac could continue to expand on in multiple games for years to come. And I really don't think that if they continue to space the games out as they have, you know, maybe uh, an interim game two years after a mainline game, and then every mainline game is roughly every five years. Because you think about it, Spider-Man 1 was 2018. Two years later, we got uh, Miles Morales. And then three years later, we got Spider-Man 2, which was ultimately five years from the release of the original Spider-Man game. So I think if they keep that kind of release pattern up, I really do feel that they will continue to keep and maintain people's interest in this series, and it will continue to be a massive success for both Sony, PlayStation, and also for Insomniac. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch networks. You can also find me on social media on X, Instagram, and threads at Lost at Sea Gaming. On X, it's at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.